1: On the very first day of pads and the first question is who will be the first to flex and i'm not talking about any of the 90 or so guys on that roster right now i'm talking right here right now right in front of us darren urban polly podcast who will be the first to flex and name drop as to the luminaries and vips that the two of us have been hanging out with lately (laughs) dot 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 here on cardinals underground brought to you by pacific office automation because there was Darren and back together Saturday, and I saw him up on the concourse, and the how could you miss him? The bright lights were on, people were shouting your name, you were sitting next to NFL Network's own, go ahead. Peter Schrager. There you go. For all of 90 seconds on air. Were you live or not? Was that live? We'll yeah, do that it. was live. Were you the Bill O'Reilly? We'll do it live. That you was, wrote it, and you did it
0: live. Well, I didn't write anything. Okay. I was all excited, and then we came, and we were like the fourth out of four camps that they were hitting on, and... And by the time they got to me, they were like, We're almost out of time. Get this get this in as fast. So I spent a half hour sitting up there for like ninety seconds. Welcome to TV, Darren. But Peter Peter is a good dude. So yes, he I is. mean I didn't talk yeah. to the commissioner Roger Goodell like you did, Paul. But.
1: Oh. See, you stole my thunder. Uh, you won. You that. won. See, I was gonna I thought I was gonna beat you to it and actually flex <laughs> my own name that I was hanging out with earlier, That's but you beat me to it. So there you go. The polyprop bed goes to Darren Urban. Yes, this morning I was there, and we were emceeing a little uh, get together for some of the VIPs and uh, the Commissioner Roger Goodell. So he actually enjoyed the nickname Polly Pigskin. He actually called that. He called me that uh, wow. several times. So uh, I had that going. For our, me. Our,
0: our listening audience will enjoy that, I'm sure.
1: You know what I forgot to share with Roger Goodell is that we share the same birthday, February 19th, and I never made that little small talk conversation with the NFL Commissioner. Wait, when what did you find I this out? I just did a quick, you know, search Wikipedia on Roger Goodell, uh, and I noticed that is, and I I noticed we share the same birthday. I,
0: I don't know if you've heard, Paul, but I share the same birthday with Larry Fitzgerald. That is right.
1: <laughs> that is right. Well, you know, that's funny because Zach Wilson is in the news today for yes. sharing the same birthday with Tom Brady. Tom Brady. So these things happen in threes. There you go. Okay, we're officially
0: people sharing birthdays happens yeah. in threes.
1: That's right. We're officially often running around here, and uh, so. And by the way, speaking of Tampa Bay, did you see the holy cannoli stat that they're returning all 22 Super Bowl starters, the first Super Bowl champion to do that since the 77 Raiders, which I don't know how they calculate this stuff. But that is interesting, isn't it? I mean,
0: it's so I mean, when you it's actually I'm a little surprised it went back quite that far. I would have thought maybe some of those teams in the 80s. Might have done that because, again, free agency is what really jacks that all up. It really shows you where the NFL was, though, in the 70s, where how easy it was to keep all these guys. Yeah,
1: Yeah. but who are we to speak? We didn't keep everyone going into this season. Once again, Kyle Odegaard is not here. So, uh, you know, when we announce his replacement.
0: I'm sure you're listening. You
1: know what we're going to do for Kyle, by the way? We're going to compare the war. When we find his replacement and announce (laughs) it, then we're going to do wins (laughs) above replacement. And just for Kyle, we've got a stat for him, and we'll see how his war compares with – is, do they do war in football, by the way, or is that uh, just baseball? Wins above honestly, replacement. Honestly, I
0: do believe there are, there are sites that have attempted football war, so <laughs> that see. would be fantastic. That's I don't good. know if there's any okay. sites that have attempted yeah. broadcasting right. war. But
1: By the way, in honor of Kyle, just to rub it in a little bit, uh, what did Zach Allen say earlier today? That the chemistry is so good – in the D-line room, how good is it, Paulie? Uh, it's so good that he isn't even listening to music anymore. He yeah, doesn't feel that. the need to put in the earbuds. There's such good conversations conversation, allegedly, ostensibly, in that D-line room. That's the kind of chemistry that they have formulated, this group of D linemen.
0: I actually really love the fact when he was talking about how he and Michael Dogby and Lecky Fotu and Richard Lawrence got together this off season and were working like eight hours a day with like two workouts and film study because they're tired of being the young guys on the defensive line. Right. And they actually want to be contributors and that's. I mean, I think that I like all four of those guys a lot. I don't know, you know, what their upside is, you know, whether they're going to be more than rotational guys we're going to have to see. But, like, I would love for all those guys to actually make an impact because they're all good dudes.
1: I did an event in the off season, and Zach Allen referenced that. Here's how you go next level with that story, Darren Urban. You ready for this blockbuster on azcardinals.com? Oh, yeah. I believe part of their offseason regimen was hot yoga. That the four of them would go to a hot yoga session, and in the middle of the summer, May and June, in Arizona, oh, it put the hot into hot yoga. Yeah, I can imagine. So, uh, although that might be good for the cameras to show up to that. I wonder if the cameras ever got out there, got some of that for Cardinals flight plan, you know?
0: that's a, I don't think they did, but I don't know yeah. what the protocols well, are for in COVID times with hot yoga. I mean, is that killing the virus right off the bat?
1: I don't know. If I gave our boss, Tim Delaney, some free advice on how to produce a Cardinals flight plan, you think uh, that could put me in the doghouse or what? You know, I, should, I guess I should have suggested that three months ago. That would have actually helped out the situation.
0: I have a pull of nothing. Are we yeah. wearing the same shirt? I think we're wearing we the same wearing shirt. We are wearing the same shirt. Okay. You're right. Sorry about that. I, yeah. got, I got distracted. Yeah.
1: By the way, Zach Allen, here's your holy only stat. Do you buy this when he says he dropped 6% in body fat in the offseason, but he bulked up to 285? So I guess he's
0: redefining good weight. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you trimmed six percent off your body
1: fat percentage, but then you added weight to get up to two eighty-five. I mean, that's a really
0: productive offseason. That is a very productive offseason. I I may think about talking to him about what his diet and regimen was, <laughs> so I could do some yeah, of
1: that. Right, and the hot yoga is how he got rid of the body fat. So that's all that comes together. All right, so because I was hanging with wait for it, Roger Goodell this morning, uh, I missed a good portion of the first practice in pads tell me uh you know i mean let there be full pads full contact full speed football what did I miss? Anyone get jack stomped? How to go?
0: No, there's no jack stomping. Uh, you know, it, we, we were not the Carolina Panthers where a guy got cut for oh, uh, leveling. Saw
1: you saw that? Well, I didn't see the video. Okay, I saw the story. Yeah, okay, because
0: I'm kind sounds of curious bad. about it. It sounds very bad. The guy yeah. was taken off on an ambulance. Yeah. And he got hit it.
1: hard in the neck. Wasn't expecting it. It not, was it's a non- non-contact, yeah.
0: defensive, defenseless receiver situation. But no, there was certainly none of that from the Cardinals, and and that's obviously smart. It's funny. I it feels like we're out here forever and I guess seven padded practices ultimately in training camp is actually quite a few when you think about you know if you have two a week over most of the camp that's that's probably gets you to the end of camp but when Cliff Kingsbury said they're only allowed seven padded practices you're like okay that's that's not a whole lot but no I mean ultimately I, I think they they you know Cliff was saying how physical they were I, I was expecting maybe a little bit more intensity not that there was anything wrong with what they did but um, but you know you get kind of hyped up for this part of camp after waiting for a week and kind of waiting to see what you have. And I, I you know, I did get to watch some of the one-on-one drills between the pass rushers. Uh, oh, do tell. Did we did we get uh,
1: D.J. Humphreys against Chandler Jones? You
0: know, it was the one I saw. I saw D.J. versus Marcus Golden, which was pretty Ooh, cool. That's a good one. I saw Kelvin Beecham versus Chandler. Now I didn't see all of them. And this is a one-off, so Chandler, if you hear this, I don't want you getting mad at me later, but Chandler came off one time and Kelvin Beecham started him. I mean, oh. like he he went nowhere and got locked up, and it ended quickly. And it was funny because later, when they were both done, they kind of uh, walked around to meet each other. Because you know, when they do those drills, it's the offensive line on one side and the defensive line hanging out on the other, and then you have the the line of scrimmage, air quotes. And they kind of walked around to meet each other later. And and Chandler, I, I didn't hear exactly what they were saying, but Chandler was was kind of giving Kelvin grief about totally shutting him down, and Kelvin was smiling about it. And they were they were having going to laugh about it, but I do enjoy that part of it. There, got, there was a couple with the lower, the lower depth chart guys there was a couple of very interesting uh, tangles, but I, I expected to get a little bit more intense as it were the next time maybe they're out in padded practices. They were thumping early with some like uh, inside the tackles run game stuff and that was kind of cool to see but but I, I expected to level up as we go. I mean we're only what 10 days out of a game so it, it, it needs to ratchet up.
1: What about uh, what about Josh Jones? Because he's been getting a lot of reps at right guard, especially now with Brian Winters out and yeah. right tackle. Kelvin Beecham was out for a while because of the COVID protocols. Uh, did you happen to see 79 and how he might have fared?
0: I, you know what? I, I didn't see particularly in the one-on-ones. I, I have been watching him. It is nice to see. You know, there was a lot of people that seemed, I don't know what the word would be, concerned, that – when Josh Jones got brought up in the off-season, Cliff Kingsbury or whomever might say, you know, guard this and guard that, and they're like, why isn't he playing tackle? Well, ultimately, what what the Cardinals are doing, unless you're a starter, you're you're cross training at at least two positions. So Josh Jones is going to be guard and tackle. In fact, there was one play a couple days ago um, where literally uh, Josh Jones and Justin Murray. Josh Jones was at right tackle. Justin Murray was at right guard. Or maybe it was left tackle, left guard, whatever it was. And uh, and they flip-flopped. Like, they did a play where Murray was the guard and jo- Jones was the tackle. And literally the next play, when they came to line of scrimmage, they were the other thing. So everybody's kind of moving around. But I I do think Josh Jones got a ton of right tackle work when Beecham was out. They had to. They were missing three starting offensive linemen. Um, and uh, it's all reps – that he needs to get and and i just think again because he's cross training he's not always at right tackle and if you're going to have him active as a backup paul you you want him to be able to play guard as well as tackle because that's necessary for guys that are active on game day more than ever
1: it's just one of those things 2021 positional flexibility the coaches not only value that the personnel guys value that we were talking to a personnel guy on the sideline two practices ago. The name Justin Murray came up, and he almost cut us off in mid-sentence and said they love the fact that he plays guard and tackle. It makes it so much easier to keep him on the roster. So you know what? Josh Jones' best interest is to learn both spots and really be able to handle both in a capable fashion. He'll he'll darn near guarantee himself a decade-long career in the NFL well, if he can play both.
0: And, and I think the people that are – I mean, you, you ultimately want to have Josh Jones. You, you, the idea was you drafted him and he can be your long-term right tackle. But but you also drafted him before you got Kelvin Beecham, and Beecham is, was pretty solid last year, and I, he's going to be your guy this year unless something happens. So, you're right. At this point in his career, it's just better to keep learning both of them and, and, and do that and and have the best offensive line you can have out there. And if Beecham's that guy at right tackle right now, that's fine.
1: All right. So, all right. You concur with other people I've asked around here as to whether there was any, uh, you know, big signature hit, you know, any sort of memorable lasting, uh, you know, thud or popping of the pads necessarily. So, you know, I, I sort of described it to Marcus Golden earlier about, well, sounds like guys are easing into full contact, full pads. And he took exception. He looked at me and he not me. No. Not boy. me, bro. No. no so never does. Uh, that, was, that was a mistake by yours truly. Uh, by the way, did I see the headline on azcardinals.com, longest week of camp?
0: Yes. According to whom exactly? Uh, that would be according to me. I wrote the headline okay. there.
1: Now, are, are you basing that on the calendar, just a sheer number of days? Because we're not—we're certainly not at the dog days of camp yet. Well, uh, what I've, makes this
0: the longest week of camp? Well, in my opinion, first of all, they, they practice six days in a row this week. Okay. I hope you're under uh, aware of that, Paul. As okay. you need to come on out here Monday through Saturday. I don't think there's another week where they're, they have that many days in a row. Uh, and there's nothing at the other end of it other than Sunday being off and then you come back for practice next week. So that's how I look at it as the longest day. Once you get into game weeks, to me, yeah, you've been in camp for a long time, but the dog day kind of thing goes away because you're, you're, you're moving towards a camp. Now, we, could, we can argue about the lack of a fourth preseason game now and that, that week right after the third preseason game because now you're going to have like 12 days between games. And everything is going to be eased in. And, you know, I'm okay with the fact that it's the longest week this week because right now with fans, it's still open for us to talk about. We can talk about this stuff. I can write about this stuff. After the – I believe right after the Chiefs game, there are no more open practices for the rest of camp, and we're still here two weeks, Mm -hmm. so – the reporting and the the discussion is going to shrink significantly other than what we see in preseason games because practice is going to be off limits.
1: I'm glad you're looking ahead. I've been taking it one camp practice at a time. Of course you so, are. Uh, that's good. That's good. I was not aware of that. Um, so what do we know so far? What do we know, you know more than a week into camp now, a uh, week and a half or so? What, what sort of conclusions have we arrived at that I mean, I'll just take a flyer here. A.J. Green looks good. Yeah. By the way, Peter Schrager, okay, so I'll return the favor. I'll name drop your guy. All right. We were doing debate this, and one of the questions was, which 30-year-old newcomer to the Cardinals is poised to have the biggest impact? Yeah. And I was about to list J.J. Watt and Rodney Hudson and Malcolm Butler, and I even included like Chandler Jones and Robert Alford because they weren't here, or at least for most of last year. And he cut me off mid-sentence, and he said, A.J. Green. He said, based on what I just saw, in this camp practice, the way 18 looked out there. So, whereas I know for myself, we're kind of getting used to seeing A.J. Green and how good he looks. If you just see him for the very first time and maybe you've witnessed the lack of A.J. Green, the Pro Bowl, the last two years in Cincinnati compared to what he looks like so far in camp. You know, there's the known and the unknown. So far, that's most definitely a known. Also, considering what DeAndre Hopkins had to say about A.J. Green, right?
0: Yeah, uh, Hop is, you know, Hop, Hop knew it would, everybody would pay attention, but he kind of feels like A.J. Green, in the status he's at right now, is the best receiver he's played with. Even though he played with Fitz, even though he played with Andre Johnson, um, he felt like those guys were at the end of their careers. Now, I'd have to look this up. Somebody made the note on my tweet about that that Andre Johnson had like 1,400 yards one year that he played with Hopkins. So that's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the crossover was. Obviously, we know where Fitz was last year in Hopkins' first season. But I understand where he's coming from. And I do think A.J. Green has looked very good. And I've talked to a couple people that says when they watched the film last year, you know, did he have a couple of drops? Yes, he did have a couple of drops. But um, the idea that he didn't have the athleticism or the speed, they didn't really understand that. Now, he didn't have quarterbacks thrown to him in Cincinnati, especially once Joe Burrow got hurt. He's been playing on turf. You know, he was trying to come back off a year off because of his uh, foot injury in 2019 that caused him to miss the whole season. And I mean, then, he,
1: I, then he said he was dealing with a hamstring as well. Yeah,
0: I'm. Not, look, I'm not sitting here and saying – A.J. Green's going to go off for 1,200 yards and make the Pro Bowl. I don't I don't know if that's going to happen or not. And, you know, the hamstring is something that, okay, you're like, okay, where where are we? It's kind of like J.J. Watt. I'm like, that with an older player, you, if you've already had a problem, who knows if that could become an issue again. You don't want that to become an issue. But what we've seen of him in camp, I've been pretty impressed with.
1: I mean, if you're to take D. Hop at his word and you believe that players know players, for him to make that comment about, A.J. Green, and then followed up during the press conference to say he still believes that Green, quote, is at the peak of his career and in his prime at 33 this season. okay. I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. We saw Larry have some very productive seasons at 32, 33, 34. Okay, and then to have him just say, look, he's going to be able to help me out a lot, DeAndre Hopkins now. He's going to draw the safety away from me that much more often, which can – you know, give maybe just that added extra distance in a window that will make the difference between a completion and a batted ball, for example. So, you know, that's that's intriguing, I guess. And then when you take Rondale Moore, I had someone – check this out. You're a good guy to ask on this one. Thank you. Did you cover Anquan Bolden's rookie debut at Detroit? I did. Somebody said in in the know within the organization that they compare Rondale Moore – to the impact Anquan Bolden had as a rookie. That he could be, we haven't even gotten to the first preseason game yet, so okay, pump your brakes a little bit, that Rondell Moore could be that sort of guy that as a rookie receiver could have that sort of impact. And those are big words, and he knew it, but he said, look, there is a chance he could be that sort of impact player.
0: So here's my Anquan Bolden debut story. I think I've told this before, but I'm going to tell it again because we have lots of uh, time to do it. Um, so Jerry Sullivan, who's one of the receivers coaches right now for this team. Oh, he, there's
1: your angle on a story, by the way. we got to get Jerry Sullivan go. to talk to him about this. Okay. Uh,
0: Jerry Sullivan was the offensive coordinator in Anquan Bolden's rookie year for the Arizona Cardinals. And we got to the end of the preseason. I was doing some sp- – At the time, I was working for the Tribune, the newspaper, and uh, we were, I I was sitting with him outside after a practice, and I was going over him and Brian Johnson, who was also a rookie, doing some story on the two of them going into their first game, and this was Thursday or Friday before that Detroit game, where they opened on the road, and Anquan only had like two catches, four catches that preseason. It was really weird, uh, because I knew they liked him, but they, they weren't using him, and Jerry was like, look, he goes, off the record, he goes, we have intentionally not put him out there because I'm telling you right now, Darren, this kid is going to hit the ground running, and he's going to be really good from the outset, and we're going to be throwing him the ball, and we didn't want anybody to really know that, so we didn't put him out there. And then he goes out and goes for 10, 217, and two touchdowns. Wow. And, and looks unbelievable, and uh, we all know where Anquan's story went from there. So, um you know, I I love Anquan Bolden. I loved him since the day he walked in, and, you know, that debut was unbelievable. But, you know, is that going to happen here? I don't yeah. I don't know if they're not going to no. use Rondale Moore in, no. in, in preseason games. I would hope they would.
1: And he's a serious cat. He really is. I mean, he, he has more of a defensive mentality on the offensive side of the ball, which was Anquan Bolden. Yeah. There was no bigger dog at receiver. I mean, he had the mentality to play linebacker or strong safety. And if he would have gone that direction – Earlier in his career, I mean, he would have been excellent. Here's my Rondell Moore story. I, I saw a guy, and I thought it was Rondell Moore, but I wasn't exactly sure. It was after practice or was so. Was he taller than you? And he was about the same, the same size, okay. fine, diminutive American. Got it. And he had a sweatshirt on, and the hoodie was pulled up. And I said, wait a minute, is that Rondell? I said, well, don't, don't look at it and see if you get it. A- Glance at his face. I go, just look at the legs, and I do, Yep, that's him. Mm-hmm. I said, "Yep, that you can tell immediately if it's Rondell yeah. Moore or not." There are several guys in this roster five seven five eight. There's only one guy with legs like that, and yeah. it's Rondell Moore.
0: And and that's the thing is like when people talk about how big he is, and they want to talk about Rondell Moore's 5'8", or whatever he is. I'm like, but that's a different 5'8". It's a different five eight than other five eights. <laughs> the Cardinals the Cardinals just signed Greg Dortch, who's a return guy who's five seven, but he's one seventy-five and he, yeah. looking at the pictures, he right. looks like he's right. that thin. And I
1: mean JJ Nelson was around that size, maybe five nine, five eight, five nine, but he weighed like a buck fifty eight. Yeah. He couldn't even get to one hundred and sixty pounds. Yeah. So it's a totally different player. You know, JJ Nelson ran sub four three, but he didn't have the ability to stay on his feet. Like a Rondale Moore supposedly can. We'll have to wait to see it, you know, in person ourselves. But although it was interesting to hear Cliff Kingsbury, was it not, admit that a six foot four AJ Green is a benefit to a quarterback like Kyla Murray. He did oh, yeah. actually say that in the press conference, which you haven't really you know, it's not often that Cliff Kingsbury uses the words a shorter quarterback. But when you have a six foot four receiver Darn too. That's going to help any quarterback, especially a guy under six foot when you've got pass rushers bearing down on you and you're trying to find a guy somewhere in the passing lane for a completion.
0: You know, has, has DK Metcalf helped Russell Wilson? I would say yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. So
0: Not, not trying to pick any scabs here or yeah, anything.
1: Right, so, all right, so you have that. Who else? What else is known and unknown at this point in Cardinals camp? Unknown, J.J. Watt. Yes, as far as he can be, at least as far as an Arizona Cardinal. Uh, other known entities so far, it's tough to tell. I honestly well, you're not going
0: to be able to tell anything on the on the lines right now no. because they just right. got in a pads. Robert Alford, I would say that's a known. I would yeah. say Robert Alford, Knock
1: on wood, everybody now. If he stays healthy, dude can still ball. Based on the way he's He'll gone battle. against DeAndre Hopkins, he will battle. And so uh, they're going to be able to count on him. And, and right now, you would have to say he's the clubhouse leader to be that starting cornerback. On the opposite uh, yes. side of Malcolm Butler.
0: Well, I, I will say this. I think Byron, if they have three guys out there, I think if they have two out there, Byron Murphy is going to be one of the two.
1: Oh, agreed. Agreed. I, I'm putting Byron Murphy in the slot where they, they, where they want nice. him.
0: I get it. I will say this. I think Byron Murphy has looked great no matter yes. where they put him inside, outside. He is, when, they, when Vance Joseph says he's our best cornerback, I think that's hands down, you yep. can tell. The closing speed. Wasn't
1: yes. it Saturday he closed on A.J. Green and batted a ball down, I thought right? It was yesterday. Was it, yesterday? it was Monday. I'm sorry, not yesterday. It was yesterday, a drag, it was a crossing route, right? This. But
0: yeah, it was yesterday. It was right at the beginning of practice. Okay. And and AJ Green was open and all of a sudden Murphy's a blur over there and knocking it down. I'm like, Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. And even even a couple of catches he's given up. Like Rondale Moore caught a bomb on him, but Byron Murphy was right there it was just a nice beautiful throw and a great catch but Byron Murphy was right there so I think they're in good shape with there. and in fact I agree with you on Robert Alford looking pretty solid you know he's got to be careful about you know I'm curious about what happens when there's officials he can get a little grabby sometimes and and so I'm curious to see where that how that translates with him and Butler when they're actually playing games but you know, we'll, we'll see where this goes. We'll see where their cornerback situation is in actual games. And and I, I wish I, – I would doubt Dak Prescott plays in that first preseason game, but it would be kind of nice to see Dak Prescott and then Patrick Mahomes in those first two preseason games for these cornerbacks. Yeah.
1: In terms of takeaways so far through camp, it's hard not to notice the three inside linebackers yeah. out there together. Yeah. Zayven Collins, Isaiah Simmons, and Jordan Hicks. Now – Just like the offense, the defense does its own installs. And there are different schemes. They're going to run at different times in camp, and they're installing it basically chapter by chapter out of the playbook. So, okay, um, was that just one facet of the playbook? Is that something after the first few days of camp they decided perhaps they needed that direction experience of 58, Jordan Hicks back out there? Is that perhaps a scheme they're going to use a lot for Derrick Henry and company? I could see that if you're putting three inside linebackers in the box to go against a run-heavy play-action type offense like the Tennessee Titans. But it is intriguing to all of a sudden see him out there.
0: I think it's intriguing. I'll be honest. One of the first things I thought of when I see that package and how they seem to be deploying it is I think it might be less about Jordan Hicks, although it's nice to have that guy to be built, and more about being able to do different things with Isaiah Simmons. So you need that other linebacker with Collins because i like – I like how they've been deploying Isaiah Simmons. I like the different things he's done. I feel like he's already made a bunch of plays. And it's funny, in a backwards kind of way, with all this Jordan Hicks stuff and Zayvon Collins stuff, Isaiah Simmons has been forgotten about a little bit. A little bit. And I feel like he is really primed to do some really good things. I could be wrong. We'll see what happens. Uh, but I like what I've seen, and I like the direction it's going
1: because one of the most revealing things to me at least in the offseason was when Bill Davis told us on an edition of the Big Red Rage that they used Isaiah Simmons last year in six different positions. <laughs> so, damn. So apparently, um Guess what? And this isn't a shocker to anyone. Uh, NFL coaches sandbagged going into last year. Because remember, there was all that talk, oh, no, 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 no. We're not going to see that sort of positional versatility out of Isaiah Simmons. That's strictly college ball. That's what Clemson did with him. Well, it turns out by the end of the season, guess what? He had played six different positions in this Arizona Cardinals defense. And you know what? If Jordan Hicks is a guy that you feel like, look, he's going to be part of our best 11 in certain schemes and for certain downs and distances that we need 58 out there, and then all of a sudden, to your point, there's Isaiah Simmons in that package, and he's poised off the edge. If you don't have Dennis Gardeck, for example, and you want a situational pass rusher for a change of pace, more of a speed guy, if – you know, it is third and 11, and perhaps Marcus Golden, okay, we might bring him off. And now all of a sudden it's Isaiah Simmons and Chandler Jones, two guys who can really get after it, especially considering that Chandler Jones looks like he's closer to 260 right now. Chandler and
0: Jones looks amazing. Has
1: anybody stinking asked Chandler Jones yet what he's weighing in at? I've tried several times to get close enough to him, and I haven't been able to lob the question out to 55. What exactly is his plane weight? Not sure he'd answer it anyway. I don't know if it's classified information. But to your point about Isaiah Simmons, we talked about in the offseason if you're Ryan Tannehill and you're coming up to the line of scrimmage and it's third and seven and it's the fourth quarter and you're looking to your left and you got 55 and you're looking right and you got number 99 and wait a minute here's Buda Baker flashing off the edge how many times was he that guy last year who came either on a delayed blitz or just brought it right off the edge and now number nine Isaiah Simmons is mugging off the edge as well and maybe he's gonna come you know there's a lot to think about yeah for an opposing quarterback and and as we know, Vance Joseph, uh, that's his specialty.
0: Well, I, again, the whole reason – well, I shouldn't say the whole reason, but a big reason why they drafted Isaiah Simmons was for that versatility. The whole reason they want Zayvon Collins on the field is because they feel like he's athletic enough to do some different things. You know, it's its not so much about Jordan Hicks, it's about Zayvon Collins, and they're clearly trying to move in that direction – uh, whether it's bringing in J.J. Watt, who can be in, uh, be on the interior line or maybe come off the edge. I thought J.J. Watt was kind of funny when he talked because I, I was asking about playing on the interior and, and he didn't want to get too much into it, I think, for, like, you know, strategical reasons because, yeah, because nobody would ever think they might put him inside. But um, I, I'm also curious to know, are they going to put him, are there going to be times when he's outside? Could they do that? Would they would they do some kind of jumbo pass rush package where Chandler and Watt are the two outside guys, and then you, you have some of these young defensive linemen or Corey Peters, who you just brought back a nose tackle. I mean, they've got they've got guys whether it's Simmons or Collins or Buddha or or Watt or whatever that can do some different things that gives Vance Joseph a lot of flexibility, um, and if they can master all these different things, it could be really fun to watch. And by the way,
1: Vance Joseph again on the Big Red Rage in the offseason said, yes, there will be times where Chandler and J.J. Watt are right next to each other and they're running games. So, you know, we'll see if and when it happens. But, you know, if you were to tell me that Zavin Collins and Isaiah Simmons were going to be every down linebackers and then a Jordan Hicks and a Marcus Golden might be rotating pieces in and out based on down and distance and other situational football, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. You know, we've talked with Wolf about this, just the fact you can have two inside linebackers who are every down linebackers, a la Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis or Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman, you know, Levante David and Devin White for Tampa. That's that's an invaluable thing. Then again, what sort of liability might it be in week one against Derrick Henry in that Titans offense? So, you it makes sense that Vance Joseph would be couching that bet a little bit, and did he not tell the media that – he was asked flat out, well, what happens if Zayvon Collins out of the gate has some rookie struggles? And his answer was, well, yeah, we might have to pull him for a series or two, let him clear his head and but watch it was, from the
0: sideline. But it was only a series or two. I mean, this isn't like we're benching the guy. Correct. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, uh, you know, that and – You know, so I'm not sure how to take that, just like I wasn't sure how to take DeAndre Hopkins saying that he loves practice. So, you know, that was, that was, uh, Darren don't tell me you weren't smiling when he said, uh, I gotta be honest. That was, uh, you know, I mean, you can't spell, but you you can't spell DeAndre Hopkins without the AI. And he was talking about loving practice, man. I I, uh, I did.
0: I I enjoyed. He said love practice. Um, when he noted that, um, when he misses, when he sits out practice, it's, Coaches want to manage his time. and Although I did find it interesting, he, he dropped in there, and I ended up looking it up. Nobody else. He ended up saying he had tightrope surgery, and I'm like. Okay, oh. yes. Did you look it up? I did. Okay. Uh, it was it's a, a thing.
1: He said a tightrope procedure. Yeah, which, procedure. So So that's a surgery.
0: Yeah, so essentially it's a – you get something – it's hard to explain. I think the actual thing that you get put in your ankle. It's an, it's an ankle procedure it's an implant it's an imp yeah it's it basically it sounds like and i'm trying to do this in layman's terms and i'm about as layman as they get um it it basically sounds like something to put in there to help your ligaments or whatever you've had issues with and kind of strengthen the ankle which Hmm. i'm thinking last year if this is one of the reasons why you missed some practices why wouldn't you have just said that last year i've had ankle issues and and i've had it and it but um, I thought that was pretty fascinating when I looked it up because it is a thing. There's many, I, I looked it up and they're like there um, some uh, apparently it's gotten uh, more run of late and there's a lot of high pro- pro- profile athletes who have hmm. apparently done this procedure. So he does have apparently ankle issues that have gone back. but yeah, that was that was interesting. Huh? And, and, and look, he's already practiced a lot here considering compared to where we were last year you know, in terms of how how much he's been on the field. I mean,
1: he also told the media he hasn't reached his peak yet,
0: quote, end quote. That was also interesting.
1: Very intriguing that he needs to build that chemistry at that because he's played with multiple quarterbacks over the years, so he needs to build the chemistry with a current quarterback. Now, he obviously had several years in a row with Deshaun Watson.
0: Yeah, and and, and I will say that I do think that chemistry I've – I've seen a couple throws here between him and Kyler that have been incomplete that I – when I saw them, my first thought was, not quite on the same page. Not not a bad throw, not a bad route, not good coverage, just you guys weren't quite on the same page of what, what you were supposed to do there. So I, I think that's still a work in progress. And again, some of this, Paul, especially offensively, this is what happens when you don't have a bunch of OTAs. I mean, no. it might have been there anyways, but the players didn't want to come in and do a bunch of OTAs, which I totally understand, and they're voluntary. But when you get early in camp, that's when you're working out some of that stuff that you might have worked out in the offseason.
1: All right, so we were talking about Cardinals Underground earlier, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud sponsor and partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And you mentioned Kyla Murray as a leader, and then – the listing here was roster something. There's a typo. Uh, inputter roster inputter. I n p u t e r. Is that yeah. shot putter? Is well, this Olympics? Know, I mean, what's it, going it, Aaron on here?
0: Rodgers. He wants input on that roster. Oh,
1: I see. I see. That's the I'm, active. Of I'm making input. You're not supposed to be okay. reading the
0: rundown just straight right. on the, the podcast. Well, I, I mean. was
1: just curious about that because I hadn't quite seen. All right, so that, that's good. Just formulating words uh, on the fly. Sure. Travis Shamockery. Okay. I thought, I thought you would have known burgle it. Burgle Flickle. Okay. We got this here. So now that I'm on. On the same page here. Yeah, there you um, go. I did like uh, speaking of words and words that haven't caught on. You know, <laughs> when this whole started in 2019, I used to I really referred to Cliff Kingsbury as K2 and Kyler oh, yeah, Murray as that.
0: K1. I remember that. It doesn't
1: really hasn't really caught no, on. Has not caught on. Sort of like no. I Andy. Hi Andy. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Cliff Kingsbury K2 to SiriusXM about K1 quote. He realizes what it takes to be the man in this league. End quote. I thought that might be his strongest quote of training camp, and it was actually to serious Radio. And so uh, by that, I think he means, I think I'm going to train. This is a coach speak to English translation dictionary. I think what he means is, all right, two years into the league, he's got a real sense as to what separates not just a Pro Bowl quarterback because it was a Pro Bowl quarterback, but those elite winning quarterbacks. And you have to have the ability to inspire other players, because wasn't it DeAndre Hopkins who said about Kyler that he's made a point of holding guys a little more accountable Yeah. in, the, in these practices? Yeah. So if you're looking for that area where – because remember, Kyler cited himself, where does he want to grow the most? And the answer to the question was the first entry was leadership. Well, to me, that's tangible evidence. That's an actual example of leadership and his growth in that department if he is more willing than ever to hold guys accountable – after a mistake, or there needs to be a correction or a fine tuning of something.
0: Well, and I, and I think part of the key to that, and this is Cliff was talking about this a little bit, that that Kyler has made advances in terms of even if he shows some of that uh, emotion. Negative emotion that we've all seen on the field before, or even on the sideline. Yep, he's we've also seen it on the sideline. Yeah, we've also he says that he's also made a better effort to then go and reach out to the player in a, in a good way. And I think ultimately that's what we're talking about. I I think, I think the problem is is I think Kyler has been holding players accountable, but it might have been more in a negative light, like just being mad at them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's holding somebody accountable too. Whereas uh, as a leader, you you need to you need to, you know, kind of flex it into a positive kind of way or, look, we can't – I mean, you can you can be stern about it, but you, you need to, like – you can't just come raining hellfire down. Not that that's yeah. what Kyler yeah. was doing, but, you right. know, that's what you've got to be careful about.
1: And, look, there were moments last year where he displayed that. I'll give you an example. It was the home win in overtime against Seattle, and the Cardinals were down – three different times by ten points yeah. in that game. And there was a drive in the second half, early second half. Cardinals trying to get some momentum, trying to get back in the game, and a first down pass to Darrell Daniels. Drop.
0: Yeah, Brutal drop. I remember that.
1: And then the Cardinals got a penalty. Oh, boy, another false start or what have you. And that drive went nowhere. They punted it away. Defense got them the ball back, and they were backed up to their seven. And they went 93 yards, and they scored to make it a three-point game. And at the end of that drive – Kyler and Darrell Daniels dapped up a little bit on the sideline and they talked it over because Kyler had been vocal and very critical of Darrell Daniels on the sideline before that and they had got into it a little bit and uh, you know Darrell Daniels was the one who had walked away. Well then, okay, they made up on that front and all was understood. So, look, he's the quarterback and he is the field general and he said it to the press already in this camp, players no players. Yeah, and so if he's going to want some of that input, a he's going to have to play like it and be worthy of that sort of input, and then b yes, he's going to have to hold other guys accountable, and that means you're not going to be everybody's bestie all well, the time.
0: And and that's it's funny that you bring up the bestie thing, is because I, I do think that that's in every aspect of life, right, Paul? I mean, it's it's a very difficult. It, it when you're the quarterback you're not the boss necessarily that's ultimately the coach but there is a there is a very fine line that you're walking and it's tough as we all know to really hold somebody accountable that you consider a friend as opposed to just a coworker and because there is that and and it is sure. and i would think with somebody i don't care if you've played quarterback your whole life it's it's a talent and the other thing that kyler had was by the time he gets to the league He's younger than most of these people he's trying to do it with. I mean, you you can do it in high school when you're the same age as everybody. You can do it in college when you're the same age as everybody, basically. But in this league, you've got – I mean, it's kind of hard for right. Kyler to hold sure. Larry Fitzgerald when, you know, Larry – I'm not going to say Larry could be his father, but Larry did act like I was, you know, 20 years older than him, so – screw him
1: yeah so by the way any any info on larry what's going on you know i've
0: actually had a couple of fans ask me on the sideline as i've been walking hey urban which everybody calls me urban nobody says darren really hey urban really which is okay all right hey urban you know you're more in a professional capacity hey hey urban you you hear anything about larry nobody says well how we're going to do it you hear anything about larry and i smile and i say no and because i don't i don't know you know what, though? I was going to reach out to him via text and ask him. I, I know he's looking for work right now. Uh, Kyle left. Perhaps he'd like to write for com. <laughs> well,
1: if he wants to go all multimedia, didn't he just announce a radio show with Tom Brady? He did. So, Well, uh, well you know, he could
0: come on as our third podcaster. Sure. I mean, Darn tootin'. You know what? That's
1: great. You're right. Get back to him. Offer him uh, this gig here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll see what his war is. Wins a pub replacement.
0: I don't know how he feels about momentum.
1: You know? <laughs> That's... A, you know, and, and let him know, hey, it is just podcasting radio. You can do it from the golf course if you need to. So, be, I mean, he does all these golf podcasts. That's true. So, you know, once again, just bamboozle him into thinking it's a golf podcast. And, <laughs> you know, we'll start out and then we'll just sort of segue and finagle our way into football sure, talk. You know, that's the way it'll work over there. You know he's playing golf somewhere. Uh, what exactly that means, whether it's just an extended boy to miss What happens if he camp.
0: retires and somebody wants to hire him to like for an NFL studio show or something like that? Is he going to talk football or is he going to like, nope, I'm only talking golf?
1: Well, NBC would probably be his spot because uh, they have both. He can go over to the Golf Channel and he can also do uh, football on Sunday night. So, uh, you know, uh, look, he's he is so into golf right now, I don't think he's going to do anything except just play golf. In more golf. Then why wouldn't he just tell yeah. us that? Yeah, I don't know. What is he waiting for? Once again, what is when the team says the ball in his, is in his court, what does that mean? He likes to play basketball. It, it, it may, and, I, and I'm sure there's a little bit in there <laughs> about the fact he's a minority owner of the Phoenix Suns. Maybe that's why they chose that verbiage. <laughs> but does that mean the ball is in your court? You announce a retirement when you see fit. And guess what? We'd rather have it sooner than later, wink, wink, because nobody – Nobody is jumping that process. Nobody is going to deliver that news except Larry. Nobody wants to risk the blowback of the fans. that There's any sort of element of him being pushed into retirement. Nobody's touching that third rail. Or when they say the ball is in his court, is there an open open contract right there on the table? Is it there? Larry, the ball is in your court. Take it or leave it. Here's the number. We're sliding the cocktail napkin across the table. There's the number, take it or leave it. So, to me, it's the ink blot test. You could read it either way. When they say the ball is in his
0: court, what th- does that mean? I think Cliff was just absolutely trying to make sure that we had something else to talk about because <laughs> right. we right. ran out all your theories. So yeah.
1: Right. Okay. Well, I don't know what it means. We'll go get Corey Peters now that he's back. Yeah. The three-time team captain. So uh, you know,
0: you're not saying Corey would know about Larry. You're just saying. We, oh, he would know. As, as Corey Peters,
1: uh, as I've told before, is one of the only guys I've ever seen who actually took down Larry in response of Larry trying to tackle Corey Peters, Corey Peters, former high school state wrestling champion, heavyweight wrestling champion in Kentucky. Uh, I walked through the locker room one day and Corey Peters had Larry in a headlock and he had him and he, and he, and he, and he, and he stopped himself short of getting him into some sort of human pretzel because he was the franchise number 11.
0: You know, uh speaking of and we've gotten way off. We weren't even going to talk about fits and now we're talking about fits, but
1: Why are we talking about Larry losing some of these tackling and wrestling battles well, because, that he instigated? Because
0: this one of them I'm thinking of when we were at the Greenbrier staying that week in 2015, he tried to sneak up behind Harold Goodwin. <laughs> yes, that's right. And <laughs> that's right. and Goody yeah. saw him coming and he like he like he got him in his, a, his
1: center of gravity It was him. Yeah. all over it. Yep. Larry didn't yep. know what to do. Yep. That was I saw one time uh, Larry went after Dan the Can, uh, former nose tackle Dan Williams, conservatively oh, yeah.
0: 330. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that, that that did not benefit Larry. There yeah. was a bull rush uh, standoff that Larry lost decisively, let's put it that way. So, not uh,
0: everybody's easy to take on as Wolf. Uh,
1: before we let you go here on Cardinals Underground, we need a mandatory check of the Tennessee Titans update desk.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you mentioned them earlier today, so I figured you'd be coming back around. Did you know, Darren,
1: that the Titans have been struggling – at kicker five g's in there by the way as long as you're making up words on uh, here lately five yeah. g's and struggling Do you know in 2019 they employed five different kickers and they've already caught one kicker and signed another during training camp they went after jets veteran sam thicken so uh you know right now they do not have an answer a kicker the tennessee titans so if it's a close game then uh, maybe that's something you can put in your, you know, feather in your cardinal's cap as to something that uh, might, you know, be decisive in the decision making of a Mike Vrabel, perhaps.
0: Well, I mean, I'm expecting a close game with the Titans just because that's the kind of games they play. But... Well, it's going to be a high scoring game. I don't know.
1: About it. I already told you it's going to be a high scoring oh, game. I'm sorry. Take the over on that one. You think so? That's my that's my guess. I would Julio
0: over... Jones is hurt.
1: Would you say as we look for? Uh, just some takeaways so far week and a half into Cardinals camp, that the offense is further along than it typically would be in a typical camp. The offense is a little further along so far. If you want to go zoom out big picture, normally the defense dominates. Just like in baseball, it takes a while for the hitters to get the timing and catch up with 98-mile-an-hour heaters. Uh, But to me, the Cardinals offense, I think, is doing a better job of holding its own than in previous camps or yeah. your typical camps
0: I, I could I, I guess I could see that I guess I could see that I don't think it's like overwhelming at this point um like I said earlier I thought like they'd be a little bit more on target if they had had more stuff in the off season but I, I could see that point but again I, I kind of want to see where we stand when you know we get more of these pad of practices. like I mean it's so you you have no idea what kind of run game they really have nobody's been really blocking each other true so. yeah that's 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 the tough part of this
1: you know what we need this is my final thought sure we need a controversy here at cardinals camp you know there's no quarterback controversy like in denver oh, yeah, with teddy true. bridgewater and drew lock being neck and neck according to vic fangio there's no mike zimmer tirade like with the vikings when he lost three of his four quarterbacks to COVID protocols and he's only got one quarterback left to even throw in camp. You know, there's none of that, right? There's no uh, Ron Rivera chewing out his own team over the failure to get vaccinated. You know, back in the day, Travis Leboy. You remember Travis Leboy?
0: Oh yeah, I remember
1: Travis. Oh, he like. was a singular personality. Yeah, he was. He told us it was about 10 years ago or so, maybe a little bit longer, and the whole oh, Matt Leinart and Kurt Warner quarterback battle in camp. And Travis Leboy told us in the Big Red Rage, you know. When I'm on the sidelines and my unit isn't in and Kurt makes a good pass, I start up the Matt Liner chance. And then when Matt Liner makes a play, I start up the Kurt Warner chance, and he's joking around. Yikes. I think he was joking on the Big Red Rage. But then remember, there was a moment in that night practice at Lumberjack Stadium. I'm testing your memory and your recall here, where he actually (gasps) hit the quarterback. In a live drill. I do not remember that. He hit the quarterback, and Ken Wizenant literally grabbed him. Ken Wizenant went blocking tight end back to his heyday as a player and grabbed him by the lapels, in this case the practice jersey, and kind of stood him up and said, not on my practice field, go to the sideline. And uh, that was a moment that I'll never forget in Cardinals camp lore. But uh, once again, if you can think, you know, stir something up for the next edition of Cardinals Underground, I, you know, just I'm, to get us
0: through August. I, I'm thinking, we're, we're sitting here in a, in a beautiful loft here at State Farm Stadium. And we're or at looking, least get
1: us to the Cowboys
0: game. And and we're we're looking out over the, well, it's the concrete because they rolled the field out, but and all these empty seats. And I'm just thinking, how far have we come, Paul, from like 2007 when I first came to the Officially to the team. <laughs> That's right. And we were in Jim O'Mahondro's dorm room, and we're doing yeah. the podcast. And now we're like we're we're bemoaning the loss of one of our pod podcasters and in, uh, in Kyle Odegaard. And we're we're sitting here looking at the thing. I'm just I, it, it just feels like so much time has passed. Whether I was, feel very
1: old. Right whether now. whether it was the garbage truck outside the window yeah. emptying the dumpster, and we'd have to stop the recording. Or uh, I, did need,
0: we stop it? I think we left that in. I thought or, that was part of the. Uh, Charm. Or
1: in Ohm's dorm room, when you want to put down your coffee, you'd have to move his socks over. I remember his socks socks. Were, uh, you socks. Know, and then you put their coffee down. So uh, you're right,
0: Darren. You're come, come a long way here. We have come a long way. And, right. it, and, and for anybody wondering, it won't just be a two-man game. We will eventually be back to three strong in Cardinals underground. I just can't get into details yet. It okay. won't be Kyle. Okay, so he left us.
1: an offer has been unofficially, officially extended to Larry Fitzgerald. That's the latest? Oh, well,
0: yeah. I mean, okay. he would be our first choice. Okay. Right. I don't know if that's going to, you know. I mean, if he's not, we, we talk about the money. I can guarantee you the money for this ain't.
1: Just do it for the love of the broadcast, Larry. Okay? <laughs> for the
0: love of the broadcast.
1: And that'll do it for this edition of Cardinals Underground. On that note, powered by... Well, training camp powered by Cox.
0: (laughs) Yes. And Cardinals
1: Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Beautiful.